Yes, Chevy Chase felt like, um, which everything before the pandemic felt like it was a decade and a half ago, right? Where we were all here one Sunday morning, smiling, telling stories, hearing good stories about ministry. But we are back here today to celebrate a, a, a good friend of yours and a good friend of mine. 13 years ago, right, Pelts? 13 years ago, this fall um, is where Eric and I got to know each other on the campus of Princeton Seminary. And um, I had little doubt back then that Eric was obviously called to ministry. But what I was more clear about 13 years ago in the fall of 2008 is Eric's call to fatherhood because of his level of dad jokes. Um, if you think they're bad now, like when he was, what was, were you 22? Somewhere like right there? 22 year old Eric Peltz walking around with the corniest punchlines to every joke you could possibly imagine. No, no kids in sight. Someone who, who thinks they might get proposed to at some point was probably sick of the dad jokes also. But I knew back then, Eric Peltz was called for fatherhood because of his dad jokes. Um, you probably can imagine that at a place like a seminary, dad jokes, and for those of you who don't know what a dad joke is, think of any corny, cringeworthy joke that someone at a, at a barbecue says, that's a dad joke. They don't have to be a dad, they don't have to be a male. Dad jokes are, are very corny one-liner jokes that folks like Eric Peltz are filled with. Um, so at, at a place like seminary, you, you, you get a lot of dad jokes and it's typically about what it means to be Presbyterian. I'm sure that happens at places like Chevy Chase when you all get down to the fellowship hall. Someone has said one of these lines, these, these punch lines about what it means to be Presbyterian. You, there's a long list, I'm not gonna repeat all of them right now. There's a long list of these inside jokes about what it means to be Presbyterian. Um, they're self-deprecating, right? Uh, they, don't, they don't really highlight the, the highs about what it means to be part of our denomination. We aren't the only ones who do it, by the way. My wife is an Episcopal priest down the street. This is Connecticut right here. Down the street and a couple blocks over at St. Uh, Columbus in, in the district off Albemarle. They're just as bad, if not worse, than we are about these self-deprecating denominational denominational jokes. And I, for one, baptized in 1983, joined a Presbyterian church probably in somewhere in 1996. I, I have never liked them. I didn't like them as a kid growing up a Presbyterian, and I don't like them now. They're not helpful in understanding who we are as a unique gathering of people called to do ministry together. They there's kernels, there's grains of truth in them about who we are and what we do, but they're not a, a full picture of what it means to actually be Presbyterian. I would much rather, as, as General Presbyter of National Capital Presbytery, I would much rather have our 26 some odd thousand members scattered all over the DMV, not going to potlucks and barbecues with their friends and saying jokes about what it means to be Presbyterian, but actually giving solid elevator pitches, right? This is who we are. This is what we do. This is what we believe. This, this, is, this is what it means to be a Presbyterian. These are the core tenets of who we say that we are. You're not going to be put on the spot. Don't worry. You're in good company if you're like, I don't know those. Um, you're in great company. Uh, my, my parents, being, being probably some of those who've sat in Presbyterian pews for decades now, probably aren't certain on what it actually means to be Presbyterian. So what you're not going to get today is a, is a lesson on Presbyterianism, but a highlight of what we do 
best. We believe in teamwork, that the voices of the many help us get a clearer picture of what God is calling us to do in our shared ministry together. Presbyterians, especially in times like transitions, when you have a pastor who's doing the great thing of, of playing house husband, right? Right, Pelts? I mean, that, that's how we first connected in the D.C. House husband is an amazing job. You haven't done it yet. Pelts, you're in, for a, you're in for a fun journey. You've already started that. But following someone to go with your house, so then to, with your spouse. So churches then say, what are we going to do next? Your pastor, Molly, is on it. We've talked. She's talked with COM, thinking about all the creative things that could happen at this church. But in these moments is where our strengths should shine out of what it means to be Presbyterian. We are not waiting on a savior. We are not waiting on someone who, who, who is the expert in the room. We can't possibly do ministry if we don't have a pastor here. That is not what it means to be Presbyterian. That is actually the, the antithetical of what it means to be Presbyterian. The ministry of this, church, of this church is yours. It is sitting in these pews right now. It is engaged on this camera over Zoom right now. The ministry of what you all are going to do as a unique gathering of God's people is already here. The tools, the gifts, the resources, the time, the energy, the passion, it already exists within you. The gathering of God's people, the church, not this facility, not your pastors, not your staff, you. The call for ministry on where you will go next resides in your hands right now. The story that our uh, liturgist read, which is, which is very long, I felt bad of how, of how long it was, but of how much I had to cut out to really get what was happening in this story. This, this is in the, the, um, the, the, the journey that Israel is going through as they leave captivity in, in Egypt and they're going to find where they're going to go next. They are, they are moving through uncharted territory. They don't have a land, they don't have an, an army, they don't have a government, they don't have a, a currency, they don't have a, 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 a system in place of how they're going to be the best people and build communities and homes. They are constantly on the move. They are in completely, completely uncharted territory. So of course, they look back and say, is, is this really that much better than, than what we had before? This, this leader who has been put in front of us, is, is this person really qualified to take us where we're supposed to be going? They start to begin to ask these questions. And then Moses does what good Presbyterian leaders do best, has an opportunity for more voices to come to the table, to say, where are we going to go next? What might, be, what God, what might God be placing on our hearts right now as we begin to journey further, deeper into uncharted territory. Uncharted territory right now is probably nothing new. We all thought that we'd have these masks on and sanctuary would be filled and kids would be running around. M months ago, months ago, when this first started, we thought it'd be over relatively quickly, finds out, turns out we, we might be in the middle of all this. We are still deep, deep in uncharted territory. But what we are doing is leaning on all the gifts, the resources, the time, the energy, the passion of all of you to find out how we are going to move forward. This story is what I think the very first session meeting, right? 
the, the, the elders of the community, the ones who have been trusted with, with leadership and direction and vision, they come together in one place under a tent where God rests a spirit on each one of them, the exact same spirit that had been on Moses as Moses led them out of Egypt. That, that same presence, that same connection to the vine is now with each of them. They sit there and they vision what is going to be next. Where are we going to head? We, we, we've been eating this manna, this, this miraculous appearance that comes to us from God that has been able to sustain us trapped in the wilderness. We have been able to survive. Where are we going to go next? Let's trust the voices around us. Let's trust the teamwork, the relationship that we have built together to find out where God might be calling us next to do ministry. Those elders of that community, they come together. They're, they're each um, gifted with the, with, the, with the voice of the spirit on, on each one of them. They don't come out of that meeting saying, you know what? We need to find a new leader. We, we, we need to get Moses uh, a, a, an associate pastor. We need to get some more help in terms of the leadership for a small group to help us move through the next stages in, in this journey. They leave that tent knowing that each of them has been called by God to help move their people forward. And we find out two of them stay back behind because their prophecies are still, are still continuing. They're still having visions about where they might be going. And the good leadership of Moses says, let's trust that. Let's see what God might be placing on their hearts because it's something that we're not seeing right now. Moses is showcasing that wonderful, beautiful leadership of trust in those around him, building a team that is going to help navigate where they might be going. See, the plan hasn't changed, right? God's hope for them to be a whole people, to be redeemed and saved, that has not changed. Their situation, though, is changing daily. Water is, is short. Uh, we're, we're not able to catch about the amount of, of, of wildlife that we need here. We're going to have to move to another place. We're going to have to keep going down this journey. Our situation is changing almost daily, but the plan is still the same. God's hope for us, God's hope for God's people to continue on this story of what it means to encounter a living, moving, walking, breathing presence of God. In this story, they then come to the conclusion that teamwork, working together, sharing the leadership, hearing voices and perspectives that are different than Moses's is the way we are going to move forward. Now back to Pels. A secret about Eric, I was, last time I was here, I told you all that I still call him Peltsy and I have to catch myself when I, when I speak in public to talk about Eric Peltz, to call him Eric Peltz um, instead of Peltsy. But Peltsy, 13 years ago, we formed a, a flag football team at Princeton Seminary. Um, a bunch of us, I don't even know how it started. We're playing catch on the field. Hey, there's a league starting up. Let's put a team together. We put a team together and we come up with the name Black Sabbath as the name of our team. We get black shirts and it says Black Sabbath across the front of our shirt. We do pretty well. We're playing. We have fun. Uh, we had way too many people than we needed on the team. Some of the Moses story here. More, more people than we need helping us get, get, get to the goal of scoring touchdowns and winning games. So the next year we say our team's so big, let's split up into two different, into two different teams. Um, the team that I was leading got split off and we named ourselves Da Na 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 Na, which is the theme song for Sports Center. Da Na 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 Na. So our shirts just said Da Na Na 
Da-na-na. And what was the other team called, Pelts? I don't even know. Do you remember? I, who knows? Yeah. So anyway, the other, the other group from Black Sabbath has their own team. Year three comes around. That team says, we want to, three years later, we want to honor our roots and, and go back to Black Sabbath. So they call themselves Back in Black. And they get these black shirts. They're honoring Black Sabbath. They're, they says Back in Black on there, reunion of Black Sabbath, blah, 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 blah. Our team, which Pels was on, hears of this story of Back in Black. So we decide to also honor our Black Sabbath roots. And we get bright pink shirts and call ourselves Back in Darker Black. And begin to battle out with these teams. But our team, our team had really gelled of being a team. Eric Peltz, as you probably can imagine, isn't the guy who's going to split out on a wide receiver route and blaze down the field and catch a 30-yard touchdown. But Eric Peltz has a role on that team. Eric Peltz would line up in what we call a slot receiver. For those of you unfamiliar with football, he moves out a little bit and finds a hole that he's going to be able to get into to catch the ball and most likely score. Our team had gelled so well that Eric could kind of, I was, our, I was our quarterback, Eric, give me a look down the field, and I would call out what's called an audible. There's a lot of football talk for those of you who aren't are familiar with football. Audible means I'm going to say something out loud, audible, to change the play. The landscape in front of me is now different. The, 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 the plan to score a touchdown has not changed. But how we're going to do that, what the obstacle in front of us now is very different than it might have been 30 seconds ago in the huddle when we called a play. So we would sit there on the line and I would say our code words for what our audibles were. And if I said purple, that was the code for Peltsy. Purple seven means Pelt was going to route a seven route. Purple three, Pelt was going to route a hook route. So we would have these audibles and we trusted, we trusted our team to be able to lean on each other's resources to make it happen. Score a touchdown, right? The, 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 the plan had not changed. This is what, and I'm not comparing myself to any great sports person out there, but this is what your Elena Deladons, your Tom Brady's, your Aaron Rodgers, your, your Drew Brees's, this is what they do, right? They, 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 they have the ball, they see what's in front of them, and they know that it has changed from what they first started. The landscape looks very different. The point, though, our plan has not changed. We still need to score. We still need to have a touchdown. We still need to score a basket. We still need to kick a field goal. We still need to do those things. But what in front of us is now very different. Teams win games and win championships, not because they have a superstar who can get them there, but because they trust all of the resources they have at hand. So that when something new presents itself, they are able to lean on all of those strengths to find out how they are going to go and move next. Some 8,000 years ago, these folks gathered somewhere traveling between Egypt and modern day Jerusalem today are, 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 in, the, are in wilderness, are, are in lands where there's, there's no big army occupying things, where there is no safety and there's no break from the sun. They are out in the wilderness. And what they do is trust every voice that is around them. Nobody is off limits. In this story, the, the last two who are left, they could easily pose a threat. Moses, they might be challenging what you want to do. They might be a threat to your leadership. They might have visions that don't look like your vision. But Moses, Moses leans into that beautiful relationship of trust. 
and says that the God who has called me, the God who has called each of you, who has led all of us out of slavery and bondage, that same presence of God is resting on these two right now. So yes, they might have visions that are different than anything we have done in the past. They might have ideas that are going to lead us into something that we might not have expected ourselves to go in before. But we are going to trust, we are going to trust that the plan still remains the same. The hope is for completion. The hope is for unity. The hope is for wholeness for all of us as God's people. So Chevy Chase, as you venture into a now new level of uncharted territory, wondering where we will go next, wondering how youth ministry and mission opportunities, how all of that will be done. Do not wait on a savior of a new pastor. Trust the relationships that you have built in this congregation. Trust the calling that is placed on some of you decades ago, the calling that was placed on some of you, hopefully days ago, of your call to share leadership for this congregation for today and the journey ahead. Because it is uncharted. It is places that none of our churches have been to yet. But we know, we believe, we trust that we have around us in our midst already the people, the time, the passion, the resources, and more importantly, the very presence of Christ in our midst, able to guide us next. Chevy Chase, you are going to be in good hands because you are in God's hands. And Pelts, as you venture out into your own uncharted territory, May you also trust that beautiful relationship of God, that calling that was placed on you, that was screaming a name of, of, of leadership in the church in 2013, stronger than dad jokes. Trust that, Eric. Trust that God has called you to not just be a leader, but to equip others around you as you begin to lead others into also uncharted territory knowing that the plan, knowing that the hope remains the same. So friends, let us open our ears, let us open our hearts to the presence of God that is known to us in the spirit that speaks to each of us in very different ways. The trusting that is all from the exact same voice, the very real presence of our God. Amen.